0: Welcome back to Journey of a Fearless Female. I'm your host, Paola Rosser, and this week my guest is Angela Irwin. She's an international confidence coach, a TEDx speaker, and the founder of Joyful Life Solutions, which specializes in helping women reprogram their self-acceptance to building lasting confidence so that they can achieve their full potential. During the pandemic, Angela launched a 501c3 called the Joyful Life Cochlear Implant Fund, JLCIF.org, to help ensure her fellow cochlear implant recipients have access to the ongoing critical technology that they need to keep their hearing and remain part of the hearing world. Born with normal hearing, Angela began losing her hearing at around the age seven and eventually went completely deaf. At the age of 22, she received a cochlear implant and as she refers to, to it as got a second chance at life, Angela is living proof that the challenges we face don't always have to stop us. In fact, they can be your best teaching moment. Um, Angela, thank you for being part of the show. So tell us about your fearless female journey. It already sounds from your bio that you've been quite through a lot. Um, Awesome. So thank you so much
1: for having me here today. I feel uh, very, very grateful to be here. I love what you're doing with the podcast. Because I think that so often we feel like we're on an, an island of one. We're the only one who is feeling this certain way, which many times is not enough, not good enough, or different in some way. And so by you sharing these stories, I think we're just that has a ripple effect. And so I'm so excited to be here with you today and appreciate the opportunity.
0: Well, thank you so much for finding me on. She found me on Facebook and or no. Instagram. And I'm so thankful that you reached out. A lot of people don't understand. I'm actually the one that (laughs) that looks at all the messages. And I'm the one that responds. So if you want to be on the show, reach out to me and we'll get you on. So all right, tell us about your journey. All right. So first of all, I am the last person who thought
1: they would be working in the space of self-confidence and self-acceptance. Because I thought that was something that we either, you know, pretty much were born with, like we had Mm. it or we didn't have it. And I didn't really have it. I mean, I spent the bulk of my career about 15 years in the corporate world in marketing and clinical education in the medical devices space, Mm -hmm. uh, which allowed me to live and work on three continents, uh, which is how I ended up in France 12 years ago. And so I was good at my job. So I drew confidence from that. I drew some strength, I guess, from that. But deep down at the core, absolutely. Uh, especially now looking back, I absolutely was none of those things. And about seven years ago, I was laid off. And even before that happened, uh, so I was living in France at the time, but even a few years before that happened, I felt like there was, people will call it a different thing. So it was sort of like an inner knowing, but there was something deep, like you could feel it. Yeah, Uh, It was a whispering or a nudge or, you know, people will describe it in different ways, but There was just this message coming that there's something different you're supposed to be doing. Hmm. But in the busyness of corporate life and a nice paycheck, you know, I never really took the time to investigate that at all. But then when I, when that opportunity or when the opportunity, which I now view as an opportunity at the time, I did not, uh, when I was laid off, it was very (laughs) difficult at the time. Yeah. (laughs) I had just turned 40 and I'm like, what is this? But I thought, okay this is the time if you're ever going to make a career change, like I said, just turn 40. If ever you're going to make a career change, this is the time. And so I spent some time sort of investigating what is this all about. And long story short, I found myself in a year long life coaching certification dual how to set up an online business. And so Mm. I was so excited about this. I'm like, yeah, this is I'm on my I'm on my new path. About six months into it, I was in what at that point I considered a crisis of confidence. I couldn't even recognize myself in terms of normal function because I've always been someone who's like, you know, getting stuff done, like, you know, being able to handle a lot of, lot of different things. And I just was in shutdown. I didn't even know that term at the time. I was just like, I can't even function. And it was really a, scary time because I just like I can't even recognize myself I don't know mm. what's happening I don't you know why can't I just force myself to move forward so that was about six months into this program and it took like another six months and an amazing friend to point out to me she's like I think you might be experiencing depression <laughs> and my first reaction was Depression? Like what? <laughs> what do you mean? How can I be depressed? And the first thought that popped into my mind was, I live in the south of France. Like, how can I be depressed? You know, and looking back, of course, that makes no sense at all. And I'm so grateful that she did point that out to me. And um, I did then go on to get a therapist and I worked with some amazing coaches and learned so much. During that time. And what I what we uncovered was what triggered the depression was the undealt with emotions and feelings and situation of me losing my hearing completely in childhood.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a huge thing. Yeah. Let's go back to that story of what happened to you in the beginning because I think a lot of people try to say oh it was just my childhood i'm older i'm over it you know it doesn't mean anything uh, or some people forget their childhood and they don't realize that our trauma our our pain our rejection our humiliation whatever it is whatever negative trapped emotion you can think of abandonment it gets stored in our cells of our body and our body keeps score i mean that's the reason why that book has been new york <laughs> times bestselling for years upon years is because our body does keep score and regardless if we tried to like, you know, repress, repress the memories or shut it down or pretend it didn't exist or it didn't happen to us. And we try to move on with our life. Eventually something's going to trigger it. And yes, losing your job is like, people don't talk about how devastating it is to lose your job. I lost my job in 2008. And I remember feeling like, well, especially because there was like 13 of us that lost our job, even though it was like, Everybody. I mean, they put us all in the middle of a conference room and said, all of you guys, this this is your last day. Go pack your bags, you know, and, or pack up your desks. And, and even though it wasn't just me, there was 13 other people in the room, or I don't even remember how many, um, I still took it personal. And I went home and I thought, there's something wrong with me, or I didn't do enough, or you re... Um, evaluate all the things you said to certain people, or did you not kiss <laughs> enough? But did you not turn in that report on time? Did you miss a deadline? <laughs> did they did not like your handwriting? You get into all the little nuances about your own self, and you don't realize that the like underlying factor is that a lot of us don't believe that we're not good enough, we're not worthy. Um, you know, we go back to our old disempowering thoughts, and they do come most of the time come from a traumatic event that happened to us in the past. So let's talk about, because that is traumatic to go completely deaf, you know, at the age of 22, right? Was it, or when, when did you go completely? Oh, seven. So it started at the age of seven.
1: So I was born with normal hearing. And when, uh, so I'm so grateful for the annual hearing test. And I realize even today that not all states do this, but shout out to South Dakota because they did at the time, which is where I grew up. <laughs> And because in kindergarten, it was perfectly normal. And but in first grade, they said, oh, there's a mild hearing loss, which is so unusual because hearing loss usually presents itself at birth or through genetics or there's you have a, you know, an illness where there's a high fever involved. And I had none of those things. So had mm-hmm. we not had the annual hearing test, that would have gone undetected for years, probably before anyone realized what was happening, because I could speak normally, I was, you know, doing fine in school. And so my parents took me to ENT, ear, nose and throat doctor, and he said, Okay, this is unusual for a child. So I don't think it's gonna be any worse, it's not going to increase, but let's just for safety's sake, you know, have an annual hearing test and keep an eye on it. Well, famous last words, because over the course of the next 15 years, I did go completely deaf. So that's where the, you know, age of 22 mm. comes in. And it's just so unusual for that to happen.
0: Yeah. So do you remember like the feelings of like, all of a sudden, everything's starting to get muffled and not being able to hear clearly? Um, do you remember Did you get any fear or were you, like, filled with anxiety, um, scared maybe? Shame. Shame was the biggest one. Mm.
1: And I know it seems so bizarre to say that. And um, I'm a huge Brene Brown fan. And, you know, shame is, like, the most powerful emotion we can feel. And it seems so bizarre because – but I did – I blame myself. I kept thinking, what are you doing or what are you not doing? I mean, I'm 8, 10, 12 years old. And I'm going, what are you yeah. doing? This is your fault. That Aww. was the thing. And then we just never talked about it. So for the 364 days of the year, we just ignored it, didn't talk about it, didn't process whatever. But then the one year of the year when I had mm-hmm. to go and have the hearing test, oh, <laughs> I mean, if I even have to see a soundproof booth, I get like, oh, my gosh. Because I knew I was I was going to yeah. fail. I knew it was going to be bad news. And I would come out of that soundproof booth and my mom would be there like crying and then I didn't want to cry because mm. well, I can't cry and it'd be strong in this but it was it was terrifying because yeah. I didn't think I would have a future because I mean clearly the the writing was on the wall right but after a certain amount of years that went yeah. past I'm like okay well I am obviously going to be deaf and I was in mm-hmm. fifth grade when I found out from a classmate, not from my parents, and they didn't know that I knew this, but I have a classmate or had a classmate whose mom was a teacher at the school. And apparently my parents had been told that I wouldn't graduate from high school. I wouldn't be able to go to college because by that (sighs) point, the hearing loss would have increased so much that I just wouldn't be able to communicate. And so here's this, you know, whatever (sighs) 10-year-old taking all this on and just kind of like, okay, I just need to keep (laughs) I need to keep moving forward somehow.
0: And the fact that like your parents didn't really give you the space to talk about it and process it. They kind of just ignored the problem. Like let's not let's pretend it didn't happen or it's not happening. And so it didn't allow you to really process your feelings throughout that time. And it also didn't allow you to like explore other options you know what I mean? And instead, it was just like doomsday, everything's going to crap. She's lost her whole life. And so as a 10 year old, like you really stop thinking about the possibilities of maybe things can get better, things can change, or I can live a full life. And so it's hard when um, parents aren't really around people who could support them and give them better advice than telling them, she's never going to go to high school, she's never going to go to college, she's not that's like, rough. You don't just discard people because of one little thing. There's so many different innovations in life and technology that you would have never known were down the road, right? A hundred percent. And
1: I'm I'm so grateful. And I've actually pretty recently, if you can believe this, pretty recently learned, I have a dear cousin who is a year older than I am. We grew up in the same town. And I've just recently learned we're quite close And only recently learned that my grandma told him, never mention to her, never mention to her about the hearing loss, never say anything, never. And so he feels guilt to this day because he wasn't there. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like. You were a year older than me. Like, what were you going to do? We, like, The, the grown-ups weren't a club. Yeah.
0: We trust the adults, right? When you're that age, yeah. When you're that age, you trust the adults that they know what they're doing. But in reality, we all don't know what we're doing <laughs> in times of like that much. That's a very traumatic and tragic event, even for the parents. I mean, I, I can't even imagine the shame and guilt your mom felt. Of not being able to feel helpless, of not being able to help you or, or, you know, to find the right doctors. Maybe she wasn't doing enough. She, like, even parents think that way, you know? And so it was hard all around for everybody. But yes, if, if something like that happens with whoever's listening within your family, I think the best bet is to talk about it and to be positive about it and to like trust that there's going to be solutions and that this isn't the end, you know? And this isn't like the final. Diagnosis because you never know. I mean, and then to think that, like now at the age of 22, tell us about the day that you actually got your cochlear implant and how that felt. So, you're
1: spot on about all of that. And somehow in the mist, I just kept thinking, had blind faith that somehow this was going to work out. And I had heard the term cochlear implant dropped, you know, many times um, during that 15 years of losing my hearing. But all I kept thinking was multiple times during that, almost like every summer, I would go and have that hearing test. And they would say, we've got this great new hearing aid technology. We really think this is going to work for you. And it never would. And so Mm. then we fast forward to the point that I can no longer use the phone at all. I cannot understand Mm. the phone. I think I'm going to be fired because I can no longer use the phone. So this was back in 1997. We didn't have texting. We didn't have, you know, all these wonderful things that we yeah. had. So, the you know, email, we didn't have any of that. And so I was in such a mad at the world place. Mm. And I'm like, my only option after all these 15 years of being told this hearing aid technology, this next one is going to be the one. To then be told, okay, the only option is a cochlear implant, and by the way, you have to have surgery. <laughs> you know, have your head cut open. And I'm like, I was, I, I really wow. will say, I was in pretty much a mad at the world phase of like, yeah, this is my option. But you know, backs against the wall. What am I going to do? I'm uh, 22, mm-hmm. recent high, uh, college graduate. Like I'm, like I said, in fear of losing my job, so I had to go through with it. Had. Very, very, very low expectations. And it has just been the most amazing thing ever. I, as I'm, you know, saying my bio, it's like a second lease on life that I didn't think was going to be yeah. possible, it was holding out hope. And I just celebrated 25 years of being a cochlear implant recipient in May, which blows my mind because now I've had this technology and been able to be continued to be part of the hearing world with this technology longer than I I didn't, which is sort of, you know, sort of an interesting thing. Yeah.
0: (laughs) That's incredible. This episode is sponsored by CoachSnap. Are you looking for an all-in-one platform to help you build your coaching business then you need CoachSnap. It allows you to schedule appointments, collect payments, train and support all of your clients' needs. Health, fitness, hockey, football, or even life coaches can use CoachSnap. It's the business platform that will help you be the best coach you can be. So when they did the whole surgery, is it very extensive for somebody who doesn't know about like the cochlear implant surgery? And was it painful? So it has
1: like many surgeries, has evolved into what's considered a minimally invasive surgery. So most people go home the same day, it's minimal recovery time. But because there, you know, is some swelling in the back of the head, where they will need to place the external component. That's, you know, cochlear implants, even though they've been around for over 40 years and provide this life changing experience, most people don't really know much about them. And so they are considered like a prosthetic device. So what I like to say to people is it's similar to like a prosthetic limb, mm-hmm. right? So when we have the external component on, we can do almost anything. We are fully, we can be fully part of the hearing world. And yeah. we in fact, set up our lives in that way.
0: Like you can go swimming, you can go underwater. Like that's probably um, there.
1: <laughs> we do have a recent, recent um Technology. We have something called an aquapack that we can do. Oh, nice. Put on to that was sort of like the last thing that we couldn't do
0: oh, okay. uh, was the
1: swimming part.
0: But someone has invented something to be able to allow you to go swimming.
1: Yes. And be able to hear, which is, you know, mind blowing all these years later. That's
0: amazing. Yeah.
1: So when we have it on, we can, you know, like I said, we set up our lives around the normal hearing world, cochlear implant recipients, you know, around our work, around school, around interacting with our families and friends and music appreciation and safety. Like people don't think about safety, Mm. but, you know, if you're out in the street or you're out anywhere, you can't hear horns or sirens or, you know, something approaching that there's very much a safety aspect, but even more so people with hearing loss it is the most isolating Mm. thing that you can imagine right because if you can't communicate you isolate and you're alone yeah so there's that whole component as well yeah
0: exactly so what were the first things you heard when you got your cochlear implant so it does
1: take some time so the healing needs to happen and most most people have to wait a few weeks before the external device can be activated And then it is a learning process. It's not like an immediate thing. It takes the brain a bit of time to adjust to hearing in this new manner. But then it was just like, holy cow, because (laughs) there were so many sounds that I had forgotten. Like the sound of, again, this back in 1997. So I was a big Diet Coke drinker, but like when you pour soda or over ice and it makes that sound, I'm like, I totally. Like, didn't know or forgot or whatever. So there's all these different sounds. All of a sudden you hear a clock ticking mm. or you hear like the refrigerator humming and you're like, what is that sound? <laughs> <laughs> but one of the main runs I remember was I was working um, in an office environment and you know, we had this copy machine that I had used a bazillion times. And shortly after being activated, I'm standing there and I hear this beeping. I'm like, hmm, what the heck is that? So I'm looking at the copier and it's like out of paper. Oh. And I just blurt out to all these random people who happened to be in the back office at that time. I'm like, did you guys know the copier beeps when it's out of paper? And I'm sure they were just like, what the heck? Because they didn't know, like, I had gone through this. Yeah, right. They're like, it's
0: normal to them. Yeah.
1: yep. yep, We we knew that.
0: (laughs) I think a lot of people, a lot of us take advantage, like we take um, our things for granted, just small little things. I love how you described, you know, being able to hear soda being poured over ice or, you know, all these little things that we take for granted. My husband just recently lost his smell due to COVID and it's never been the same. And he's always like, God, I just miss the smell of dirt or I miss the smell of being able to like smell what it smells like after a rain or, you know, smell like a fireplace. It's like little things that we take for granted on a daily basis because it's just normal to us. And then when they're taken away and given back to us, it's like we have a found like a new appreciation for everything which is incredible. And it's such a beautiful story to hear that you finally got your hearing back. And um, I would love for you to tell the story of how you decided to start a 5013C called Joyful Life Cochlear Implant Fund. Because I'm sure there, this is not a cheap surgery and it's probably, is it covered by insurance?
1: So here's the weird thing, and this is will answer your question. So in the US, most insurance companies, Medicare and Medicaid will pay for the initial surgery. And that is hopefully, touch wood, a surgery you will have once in your lifetime. So the internal technology is super reliable. You can have it. Like I said, I'm celebrating. I'm going on 26 years with the same internal device. Mm -hmm. What bizarrely is not covered sometimes or many times by even the same insurance company who paid for the surgery is that ongoing upkeep of the external device? We it runs on batteries. Number one, so that's a cost. It has multiple components that need repair, replacement, much like smartphone technology. It needs to be upgraded um, after yeah. you know five or so years. The companies um, introduce new technology that have. I've had in twenty five years. I've had seven upgrades. And with each upgrade, I've had better hearing because the microphone technology has improved just many, many things. I can now do direct wireless streaming. So I don't need to have headphones, but it's directly into my cochlear implant, like all these amazing advancements in technology. But that comes at a cost and it's not inexpensive because, hey, (laughs) it's providing a major sense. So. That's where when the pandemic hit, I knew I actually had worked for one of the cochlear implant manufacturers in the U.S. in Colorado for eight years. So I was kind of in a unique position because I know a lot of cochlear implant recipients and I already knew pre-COVID that cost of the upkeep. So, for example, an entire upgrade cost over ten thousand dollars. Wow, that's incredible. So imagine paying like $10,000 to upgrade your iPhone. We're not quite there, although Apple is <laughs> <laughs> on track for that. But, you know what I mean? But if you can't have this external component, we're back to being deaf 100% of the time, mm. meaning we can't work, we can't interact. This is it's devastating because we are so reliant on this technology and it's so amazing. So I knew that this was going to be a challenge for people to be able to afford this ongoing upkeep. And so I did some due diligence and we are like the only 501 C 501C and 501 C3 in the entire U S that's providing this service. And I've incorporated the competence coaching that I do also to help cochlear implant recipients. Yeah. So it's, it's kind
0: of this full circle the thing that happened in your discovering life, discovering this, this purpose. Yeah. It's beautiful because like, when you were back at seven years old, you never thought that this was going to be your life. You know, at seven years old, you're just like, why is this happening to me? I don't get it. But now you can see 2020 uh, hindsight of why you had to go down this journey. You know, and this is what I love about my podcast is when I hear people's stories, it's so beautiful to see the unfolding of your life, you know, and to hear like, yes, I went through all of this darkness and all of this pain, but I came out of it and now I help others, you know, do that. And like, I love that you around 2020 because... Uh, for example, they shut down all the hospitals, everything that was considered an elective surgery was no longer on the books. And so if, if your technology went down, or if you were on the, you know, on the books to get a cochlear implant, that was pushed to the side. So now you have to wait. And you know, we were all told we were going to wait like a month, two months. And then before you know, it's like an entire year has gone by. And your elective surgery is no longer a priority. And so I can I can only imagine all the patients that had to wait for this Surgery, And some of them probably waited their whole lives to get this. And so I love that you created the joyful cochlear implant fund. And I hope more people who are listening to this podcast can hear that there is, there is like hope. And there is technology out there. And we've come so far with helping people hear again. And that's something that's super important. God gave us five senses to enjoy this life. And it's like, if you can, there's a reason why he gave someone the bright idea to create this technology so that we can get that sense back.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. A thousand percent love everything you just said. You're so spot on. Indeed in COVID, it was still considered an elective surgery. And I believe I'm almost a hundred percent certain that during a silver lining of this, was they pushed for FDA approval that it was a cochlear implant surgery was not considered elective, that it was considered oh, mandatory.
0: Nice. Oh, that's beautiful.
1: Because of the reason what you're just describing. And it's like, oh, you know, it, it really is. It's such an overwhelming process because it's just so unknown. Mm-hmm. People um, have different, very varying results. Like, you know, like me, they consider me a super user. <laughs> There's people that But um, not everyone has quite the same result. And it just, you know, depends on like your hearing loss history. Like I was fortunate that I had already heard and I already knew how to talk and all these sorts of things. But that's not the case for everyone. So I know it stops people in their tracks when you're like, your surgery is delayed even pre-COVID. When I was working for the cochlear implant company, People would get like, okay, if their surgery was postponed for any reason, like the surgeon was sick or any, you know, just random reason, they would go, oh, that's a sign. Maybe this is a sign (laughs) that I shouldn't do this. Yeah. Seriously. And so when that was happening, like you're saying exactly spot on, like when COVID and all of this, and you have all these people who are like, finally built up, like, okay, I'm going for this. I'm going to do this. And then it's like, the surgery is canceled indefinitely that definitely impacted. it. And I think there's uh, for sure there's some people who still haven't been implanted because that just scared them to like okay, I need to rethink this again. Because it it really is it's a complex technology. Um you know, it's not like putting on a pair of glasses like you mm-hmm. you know, it takes time. You have to have you have to spend time learning like I said before learning how to hear in this new manner. So it's, yeah. there's a lot involved in it. But To your point of the hope, there's always hope and the technology is changing and improving on a daily basis across all, you know, across all chasms of the medical community. So it really is important to maintain that hope.
0: Um, So let's go back a little bit before we wrap up this episode about being a confidence coach. So um, from your story earlier, you were saying like after six months, you were like, what's wrong with me? Why am I feeling this way? Um, And your friend pointed out that you were depressed and all. And so you started probably unpacking all the things from childhood and everything. What led you out of all the areas that you could have concentrated um, to go for confidence building?
1: The short answer is I didn't want anyone to ever feel as badly about themselves as I felt about myself.
0: Mm, That's beautiful.
1: It hit me so hard. I didn't know. I didn't understand. And the interesting thing is I'm a sociology and psychology undergrad, but somehow I didn't (laughs) get that we can actually reprogram that. Yes, and when I learned that, and when I went through that transformation myself, it was just like this: "Holy cow!" Yeah, I have to help more people, other people, particularly women, because we're even more harsh on ourselves. Yeah. and you know, most people. And I'm like, if I can, you know, help even one person improve that relationship with themselves, so that was de- it's definitely it's been a process, and those. As you well know, those uh, old stories and old beliefs don't go away quietly in the no. night. Every time something new, every time a new uh, success or a new opportunity comes, oof, they come right back. Yeah. And so it's just a matter of, you know, teaching those coping skills, and here's how we manage this, so that we can go. Okay, nope. Nope. I know you're trying to sell me this bill of goods, but (laughs) that's the the old information and just really be able to have those tools and tactics to be able to shut that stuff down much quicker. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's really what I try to do with my clients. So we spend much less time in that Shutdownness downness that I described and we're like, okay, I see you. I know what you're trying to do, but no, we're not. I'm not here for this today. We're, we're going. And that's how, you know, that's how we just are able to step in to our full potential. Yes. Because you know, I talk about confidence, but it's really underneath that is also really this, like you, you had mentioned the word self-worth. Mm-hmm. And it really is. It's the self-worth and the self-acceptance mm-hmm. because no one is confident 100% of the time. No. But what we can do is get into action because if we if we get into action, then fear can't paralyze us. Yes. Which is, you know, our reptilian brain <laughs> trying to, you know, Protect us, but it's actually keeping us stuck. And so, if we can just get into action, Mm -hmm. and even if we have a little fall down, you know, we have a little setback, that resilience, we go, okay, have self compassion. Let's get back on the horse. Let's just keep moving forward. I think that's like the biggest thing that I have learned and the biggest thing that I try to, you know, help my clients with it's just,
0: all right, let's keep moving forward. Yeah. I love that. Um, I love, the whole coaching space. It's crazy because I got into coaching for the same reasons. It's like, I want to help others never feel what I felt growing up. And I think more people don't understand that coaching is so different from therapy. (laughs) I love therapy. I tell everybody they need to see a therapist. (laughs) Everyone needs to start with therapy. Um, But I feel like therapy does a lot of like, let's talk about the past. Let's unpack all of that. But once you've unpacked all of that and you want to talk about your future and you want to learn how to move forward and how to reprogram everything and be the person you want to your fullest potential, that's when you need a coach and your mentor. Um, because we do like focus on the future. We focus on your goals. We focus on like the possibilities. Um, Once we've let go of all of the baggage, once we've let go of the old stories, once we've let go of the feeling of unworthiness, but we do, we do fall back sometimes into our old patterns and our old habits because that's what's familiar to us. But if you continue to work with coaches like Angela, like myself, you will learn new tools. You will learn new ways of moving through the world. And the more you become self-aware of who you are, of your of your past, of your stories, of your old beliefs and your patterns, you could soon break them and create new patterns, new beliefs and new stories. So as we wrap up this episode, Angela, what would be your nugget of wisdom to the ladies who are listening today?
1: So well, that was so incredibly beautifully said. So kudos for that. I would, I think I would say, is what makes you different is what makes you special mm. because we're so taught at young ages to fit in and be like someone else, or we somehow feel like we're supposed to do that. And the truth of it is, we're not meant to be like anyone else. And, you know, in in my case, the thing that brought me so much shame and so much embarrassment and the thing I wish I could so much change about myself is actually the thing that ends up being my purpose. Mm. The journey that I went through is now the purpose. And to be able to serve other people through that purpose, I could never have imagined that.
0: Oh, Beautifully said, Angela. Um, how can my audience find you? So you can reach me. I have two different websites. So
1: joyfullifesolutions.com is my coaching. I do speaking as well. And then the nonprofit side that's helping the cochlear implant recipients is jlcif.org. And that's probably the best ways or the easiest ways to contact me. But I'm also on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook as well. So definitely please reach out.
0: Yes. And she has a coaching program called Unleash Your Core Confidence. Thank you again for being on the show. Thank you again for listening to Journey of a Fearless Female. I'm your host, Paola Rosser. If you love this episode, make sure to share it with your friends. You can find me on the internet at fearlessfemale.com, on Facebook, the Fearless Female Movement, on Instagram, at fearlessfemalepodcast, and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. And ladies, remember, we have the power to rise and face everything. Until next week, goodbye.